Amen. It's been good this morning. Um, so we've been doing a series called the doer of the being a doer of the word. And I think this is what our third or fourth week. <clears throat> We're just gonna keep going till the Lord says stop. <clears throat> I've heard some good testimonies about it. I've heard that uh, it's been really, really good uh, to hear about what it is the word says and then be a doer of that word, not just a hearer only. And uh, so this morning, in light of that, I want to talk to you a little bit about some things in line with that. But before we do, let's go to our text, James chapter 1. We're going to begin there. James chapter 1. Why don't you stand up to your feet and let's engage the Holy Spirit one more time. Let's get our hearts and our minds prepared to just receive what the Lord wants for us. How many of you know what you receive has more to do with you than it does with me? That should be a good, that should be good news for you. What I need from you is for you to believe with me that the word that he desires for all of us to hear will come out of me in spite of me and everything that may try to attack me. Because if God can speak through a donkey, if he can speak through a man, if he can speak through people, then he can speak through me. But what you need to receive from what God wants to say has more to do with you than it does with me. So I need you to agree with me that the word's going to be brought forth this morning. Amen? So Father, in the name of Jesus, we join our hearts and we join our spirits together this morning in agreement that your word will come forth. What you want to say will, come, will be said. Father, I pray that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer, that I would speak a word in season, that would bring hope and help and healing and direction. Oh, that that word that you desire to be said would bring direction to all of our lives, that it would bring guidance, that it would illuminate those things, those places in our heart and in our minds that are, that are darkened, not because of sin or not because of something that we are doing or are not doing, but simply because we just don't have enough light in that area. So I pray for light this morning in the name of Jesus. That you would speak what it is for this moment that you would have for us. And now I yield myself to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that lives within me. In the name of Jesus. Just take your Bibles and just say, this is my Bible. I believe it. Every word of it. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. And bless God, I'm going to do what it says for me to do. I believe I will receive everything you have for me this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That's a good word right there. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. That is your soulish realm. What can we do to save our souls? Can we medicate it? Well, to some degree you can. You can help manage it. You can medicate some of those things because just like I've said before, the brain 
is a physical organ just like the heart or just like the lungs or just like the liver or just like the pancreas. And it can be sick. It can be infected. It can be inflamed. And so medication can help that. But medication is not the ultimate answer. We need to get to the root of the problem. And the root is that Jesus is the healer. How does he heal? Right here. Which is able, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, you know, the past couple of weeks we've been talking about this and how that the most powerful deception I believe that exists on the earth today is not what Satan puts in front of us. Although that is powerful. How many of you know to be deceived is like uh, uh, Proverbs says this, I can't remember the street address exactly, but Proverbs says this, it says, uh, like a madman shooting deadly arrows at his brother is one who comes and, and says something to him and then says, I was only kidding, I was just kidding. Is one who deceives his brother and then says, oh, I was just kidding, I was just joking. That's, that's, that's demonic, that's satanic. There's a difference between jesting with one another and deceiving one another. We don't want to get into the area of deception. We don't want to get into that area. And sometimes that's a fine line. Well, pastor, you're being religious. No, just listen to me. Just be careful in how we jest and joke with one another because we don't want to be in that area of deception. But he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. The most powerful form of deception is when we deceive ourselves. Self-deception. How does that come? Well, we're not doers of the word. What about people who don't know the word? Well, Romans says that how shall they hear unless, they, uh, unless, they, unless a preacher is sent, and how shall he preach unless he be sent? So there's, there's the answer for you right there. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. We are to take this light, we are to take this word to the gospel to people and to help them see the truth of life. But the most powerful form of deception that I have seen, that I believe from the word of God, is self-deception. And it's the easiest to fix. Well, I didn't know. Well, that's easy. Be ye doers of the word. Now you know. Well, I didn't know I was, wasn't supposed to keep everything for myself and not give to the Lord. Well, now you know. But self-deception is when you know what to do, but you don't do it. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. This isn't part of what I was going to talk about this morning, but that's what I feel the Lord wanting to say. Well, I forgot. That's not an excuse. I know that's hard. Man, I know that's hard. That's hard for me sometimes. Well, I forgot. As if that's the excuse that we can use for everything in life. I forgot. Well, what, it, what does it mean when you forgot something? What does that mean? That means you did not place enough value on it to put it in the proper list of priority that you needed to, that I needed to. There's grace and there's mercy. But this man goes to the mirror of the Word of God, looks at it, turns around and walks away, and then says, but I forgot. Why did we forget? Because 
we did not place value on what we saw. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately, not five minutes down the road, not five years down the road, immediately forgets. Why? Because it's not important. It's not valuable. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, not the law of rules, but the law of liberty, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Everybody say, I'm a doer of the word of God. Now, flip over one page, or some of your Bibles may be two pages, flip over one page to James chapter 4, and this is where we're going to start. This is where I believe the Lord wants us to go. Verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? James chapter 4, verse 1. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteress says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an en- enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I don't want God resisting me. I mean, I can handle you resisting me. You can handle me resisting you. But I swear to you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the last person that I ever want to resist me is God. Verse 7, this is where I want to get to. You ready? Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I always like it when people use the second part of that verse but they omit the first part. Well, I got to resist the devil. He's on me this week, brother. I got to resist the devil. My question to you is, are you submitted to God? Because if you and I are not submitting to God, it doesn't really matter what we resist. He ain't going nowhere. Because he's going to look at you and me and he's going to say, we're in the same boat. Because I know what the Lord told you to do and you ain't doing it. So you can resist me all you want, but I got authority to be here. Everybody say, I'm a doer of the word of God. What does it mean to be submitted to God? We don't even like that word. Just be honest with you. Submit. We don't like that word. Say this with me. I will submit. Now what's your flesh do? Your flesh don't like that. Some of you didn't even say it. Say it again. I will will submit submit to God. God. See, your flesh, see, your flesh was not born again. My flesh wasn't born again. But we don't like that. We don't like to submit. Why? Because it means that we have to put what we want to do secondary to what you want to do. 
I've said it before, and this thing keeps coming up in me often, you know. People say, well, I want to, I want to, I want to. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? I want to do this. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't get to do what I want to. Why would I want to do what you want to? I don't. I don't, get to, I don't always get to do what I want to do. And when I do what I want to do, in spite of what I know I need to do and what he's telling me to do, it always comes back to bite me in the you-know-where. I don't get to do, or I, I, I don't get to do what I want to do a lot of the times. I have to do what he wants me to do because I choose to be submitted to God and to do what he's called me to do. But we don't like submission. It astounds me the, the very nature of submission is to come under. It's, it's sub means under, and mission means to come under the mission of another. When you hook up and join New Covenant Church in Tifton, Georgia, you, you are willingly placing yourself in a place of submission to what the Lord has told me and confirmed in the elders for us to do as a church. You place yourself under that mission. But it's amazing how many people want to join a church, but they don't want to submit to the mission. Well, I think we ought to do this. No, we're not doing that. Because the Lord hasn't told us to do that. Well, why not? Because the Lord hasn't told us to do that. Well, why don't you do this? And why don't we do that? I don't need a reason not to do something. I need a word to do something. I've had people ask me, well, why, why don't you do this? Why didn't you come here? Why haven't you been a part of this? I don't, I don't have to justify myself to you. I have to justify my actions to my father. He's the one that tells me what to do. So if I'm not doing what you want me to do, I don't need a reason not to do it. I need a word from the Lord to do something. We don't have a lot of time left. Uh, the Bible says that our life is but a vapor. And it's here and then it's gone. And we spend a lot of our life looking for substance in our life where if we would just follow the Lord, we'd get a lot more accomplished. Listen, I, but the time, by the time you and I are gone, if the Lord tarries is coming a hundred years ago, a hundred years from now, they might remember us. I would hope that they would remember me because of the legacy that I desire to leave in the face of obedience to God, not because I want my name to last, but because I want people to say he followed the Lord. But our life is but a vapor. And we spend it. That's why he said you war and you spend all this energy and all this effort and all this money on stuff that you don't even, you don't even necessarily need, but you want it and so you get it and you spend it all on your pleasures. And he said, but the reason you're doing that is because you, you don't ask. You want it, but you don't, you, you're going about it the wrong way. Or you want it, you ask, because you want to spend it on yourself. And then he says... Submit to God. Matthew 6 says this. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And this is something that's been really rolling around in me 
for the last, this, past, this whole year, the Lord's been teaching me and getting me ready to really begin a series, maybe this year, but definitely next year, about giving and receiving and finances, getting us ready to understand what it is He wants us to do. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. If we're going to submit to God, and resist the devil. So if we're submitting to God, what does that mean? That means we go back to what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What does that mean? The kingdom of God, what does that mean? That means the order, and this is another word, but this is part of what I'm talking about. The systematic order and structure of the kingdom of God is not like the world. We don't vote. In the kingdom of God, for lack of a better way to say it, this is a dictatorship. He says it, we do it. Now the difference is the dictatorship analogy falls away because if we don't do it, he's not going to send his legion of angels to put something on us to destroy us. But when we are in willful disobedience to what he has said and we're not submitting to God, we place ourselves in a position of vulnerability for the enemy to come get us. Okay? Yeah, I'm jumping way ahead of myself. But I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and I'm going to go ahead and show you right here in James chapter 4. He said... Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. If we're not submitted to devil, submitted to God, we can't resist the devil. I mean, not, not to say that we can't resist him, but the effect of our resisting him will not be him fleeing because we're not submitted. We're not fulfilling the first part of that. Guess what? When you try to go out on your own in a secret undercover mission, you know, like Mission Impossible, should you choose to follow these orders and you get caught, all of your team will be disavowed? I mean, that's really what... What, what submission, lack of submission is. When you launch out to try to do your own thing, you just left all your reinforcements and all your backup back there. So we step out and we want to do something and we try to do it in our own strength. Mm. We try to do it in our own way and in our own plan and we frustrate ourselves and we frustrate ourselves and we frustrate ourselves and we pray and we fast and we ask the Lord what's going on and we come to this realization that we're not submitted to God. And we're trying to do it in our own strength and our own will. So how do we submit to God? Well, number one, we submit to his word. You ready? We submit to his word. In James, the first chapter, flip over back over there one page. Now go down to verse 25. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. And continues in it. This one will be blessed in what he does. And is a doer of the word. A doer. Everybody say, I'm a doer. There's, there's three things that I'll go ahead and give you. How do we submit to God? Number one, we submit to his word. Number two, we submit to his spirit. And number three, we submit to his leaders. I'm going to save that one for last. His word is the degree that you allow the word to influence your life. In other words, you submit to the word of God. 
The degree that you allow the word to influence your life will determine the degree that the word will work in your life. Listen to me, you can know the word all day long. You can. I know a lot of people who know the word. I'm thinking of a gentleman right now that knows the word, and he texted me the other night spitting off some 50-some-odd scriptures at me about the word that he knows, and I, I came this close to saying, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. Well, you know, the Word says this, and the Word says that, and the Word says this, and the Word says that. I don't really care what you think the Word says. I'm interested in what you're doing of what the Word says that you know. It's the Word. It's doing the Word that sets us free. So how do we submit to God? When He says, husbands, Well, I'm submitted to God. As for me and my household, this is, what, this is what the Lord said to me this week. As for me and my household, we serve the Lord. And I was listening to a minister talk about this passage of Scripture, and the Lord said to me, how are you serving me? Interesting thought. Well, as for me and my house, we wrote, we writing that. We wrote that on our house. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. How are you? So I'm going to ask you what he asked me. How are you serving the Lord? And don't say, I come to church. That's not serving. That's not serving the Lord. That's serving yourself. I got one amen on that one. It's serve. What does that mean? That means we come here. Now, listen to me. That means we come here, and if you, get up, you come to church, and you, you, you sit, and you listen, and then you leave, what is that? What service are you bringing to the Lord? Because that's not necessarily serving. Well, I had to get up out of bed. Why did you get out of bed? Because I wanted to come to church because I'm supposed to come to church. You didn't have to come to church. We don't make, nobody makes you come to church. You don't have to come to church. So I'm asking you again, why would you get up come to church? Because if you be honest with yourself, it's one, you didn't come to church because it's boring. I'm not going to go somewhere that I'm bored. I'm not going to go somewhere, well, you know what? That's selfish in and of itself. I'm not going to go somewhere because I'm bored. As if the goal of what God wants to do is to entertain you and me. What service are we giving to the Lord? Interesting question. Now, he asked me, what, what are you doing for me? You say, as for me and my house, I serve the Lord. What service? I have some things that I've been talking to the Lord on in my service to the Lord. But I'm asking you, what are you doing to serve the Lord? These, these elders, your elders, usins, us five, they don't receive any compensation for being an elder. Maybe. If we can get everybody's schedules on the same page, we might go to dinner every now and then or go away as an elders. But that's happened once in the six years that I've been here. All of us. And then we've gone away as elders, just the men, to pray and fast. Oh, we didn't fast, to pray. <laughs> I saw it say fast. I can't, I can't throw that. I, I said that because, you know, you always say prayer and fasting. Well, we didn't fast, that's for sure. We didn't do nothing but eat and talk and pray. That's all we did. And sleep just a little while. 
but they don't receive. So that's their service. That's part of their service to the Lord. The Bible says in, um, I got it down here. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I feel like that's what the Lord says. It says, um, it says in 1 Peter 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. What was it that Paul told Timothy? If anyone desires the position of a bishop, let him first be blameless and good report, husband of one wife, children in subjecting him, not a lover of money, but have everything in his house in order. How can he manage the household of God if he don't manage his own household? And all these brothers qualify. All of us qualify for that verse. Maybe not 100%. Maybe one, you know, we get this 100% perfect picture, but I'm saying as a whole, we do that. That's their service. What's your service to the Lord? You know, there's so much of the grace uh, message out there. What you, grace, brother. Grace. What is grace? Is that it? You really want to know what grace really is? It, it is unmerited favor, but it's also the equipment and the empowerment to do what God has anointed you to do in the season that God's called you to do it. That's grace. Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. What's the favor for? For you to walk around with this big badge that says favor? I got favor. I got grace. What is the grace for? He just said it a while ago. Grace and peace to you. How many times did Paul say that in every one of his epistles? Grace and peace to you from the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has and just goes on to demonstrate what the grace is for? What is that grace for? The grace is empowerment for you to do what God has called you to do. And he brings the favor and the unmerited favor along with that grace so you can accomplish and I can accomplish what he's called us to do. If you're frustrated, it's not working, it could be uh, do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, if you don't faint, you will reap a harvest. When's due season? Well, I, I don't know exactly when due season, but I know, I know due season is always a little longer than your flesh likes. That's what I know. <laughs> Deuce, Lord, give me my season. You know, I, I got so tired at one point where people would just say, your breakthrough's coming. Would you, sh I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to hear my breakthrough's coming. I want to hear ding, 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 knock, knock, knock. Hey, your breakthrough, it's here. They just delivered it. Glory to God. Your, your due season is always longer than what your flesh and what you think it should be. <laughs> So we submit to his word. James 1.25. No, I said that one. Joshua 1.8. I like this one. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way. You will make your way. You will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. How do we make our way prosperous? Being a doer. Of the Word of God. Uh, the degree that you allow the Word to influence your life will determine the degree of fruit that you see from that Word. 
If you're not seeing the level of prosperity, uh, uh, Dad Hagen used to tell us this, if, you're not, if your life is not where you want it to be or where you think it should be, check up on what you've been saying. That's what he used to say. So what I like to add to that is check up on what you've been saying, but check up on what you've been believing. And check up on whether or not you've been saying what he told you to say, because if you ain't saying what he told you to say, you're not going to have what you think you should have. Well, pray for me, brother. I'm resisting the devil. He's on me. I'm just tired. He's on me. You see him back there? It's It's not that hard. It's really, it should never be that hard. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. It, it, it ain't nothing to pull down a stronghold when you're anointed and you're called of God and you got the equipment. Jesus never goes, whew, boy, y'all come on, boys. Come on. Set the timer. We're going to pray in tongues for 20 minutes before we do this. No, Jesus was always just charged. He was a success going somewhere to happen. He was always influenced. He was constantly submitted to the Lord. And he would say, I don't do anything unless my father tells me. I only say, I only do, I only see what my father wants me to see, say, and do. Are we doing the word of God? Are we submitting our lives? To the... So I go back to this. Husbands, love your wives. My wife, blah, 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 blah. Fill in the blanks. Husbands. Love your wives. It doesn't say if she's lovable. It doesn't say if she's submitted. It says love your wives. If we'll be doers of the word of God, if husbands would be doers of the word of God and just rise up and say, sweetheart, this is what I feel like the Lord's telling us to do and uh, I just believe that's what we ought to do. If you would begin to do that and don't just say it, Why am I on this? Don't just say it because you're supposed to say it. Spend some time and some effort and season it with your time with the Lord. Not five minutes. How about five days in prayer? After five or seven days in prayer, you come to your wife and you say, I've prayed about this, I've sought the Lord about this, I've asked the Lord about this, and the reason I ain't said nothing to you, sweetheart, is because I've been waiting, but this is what I feel the Lord's telling us to do. I want you to pray over this. This is what I told her last night. I said, I've been praying about this, I see this. I'm not asking you to give me an answer. I want you to pray about it and tell me what you think because that's how we're supposed to lead. There are times when we just say, bless God, this is the direction that we're going. But that's how we we demonstrate how we're supposed to lead. And so we pray. If husbands would do that, then guess what? Wives would, would, for the most part, willingly submit. Wives submit. You're supposed to submit to me, woman. Is your... um, Okay, I'm going to say this from your end. Husbands... Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing to warrant the free flow and anointing of submission in your life? Okay, I say that to the men. Now, women, it really doesn't matter what your husband's doing. The Bible doesn't say if he's doing it right. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. Ooh, you ready? As unto the Lord. Maybe if you submit to your husband, you get yourself out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to go get your stuff straight, boy. 
Because women, what I've seen is women are very resilient. They'll take up whatever gap of leadership there is out there. It's amazing. They'll take it up and run with it. That's why we have so many, uh, that's why we have so many youth without fathers. Because fathers just got lazy. She's got this. I didn't like it. I remember one time when I married, she made more money than I did. The job that we were working, ooh, that irritated me. I had to die to that. But why did that bother me? Because I, because I knew that I was the one, I carried that weight. I knew I was supposed to be the one that was supposed to provide for us. And that bothered me. The Lord worked through me. It, it doesn't matter how much you make. It matters the role that you and I take in our household. Can I get an amen from all the men in the house? Our women, our wives are looking for us to stand up and to say, you know, I've been in the prayer closet and I've heard the Lord say, and this is the way I believe we ought to go. But you don't just say, you got to demonstrate and see. They got to see us. They need to see us sacrifice. They need to see us spend time in prayer. But wives, you don't have to have that to submit to him. Your submission to him, listen, gives him a clear shot to shoot him right between the eyes and say, get your stuff together, boy. Every time. I've seen it. Every time I've seen when a wife would just submit to her husband and let the Lord do what he needs to do. Listen, let the, just let it go. You're carrying, maybe the reason why your, your marriage or your stress level is the where it's at is because you're carrying something you don't need to be carrying. Everybody say, I submit to the word of God. This darn turned into a marriage uh, Sunday here, ain't it? Psalm chapter 1, I like this one. I, can, I used to could quote it a lot better. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. Whose fruit, bear, he bears fruit in his season, and whose leaf does not wither, and everything, everybody say everything, he does will prosper. How does that come? Because, well, you know, Lord, he said everything I'd touch would prosper. No, he didn't. That's not what he said. He said, if you meditate day and night, and you don't let it come out of your, if you refuse to let it come out of your mouth, he said, if you meditate on it day and night and you let it come out of your mouth, then what? Everything that you and I touch would prosper. The, everybody say this with me. The degree that I allow the word to influence my life would determine the degree of the power of that word in my life. Hebrews chapter 4 says the children of Israel was promised rest. But they never got it. Why? Because when the word of God came to them, they didn't do it. That's what Hebrews chapter 4 says. And the promise of that rest still remains. That's what Hebrews says. It remains for us. How do we enter that rest? We got to do it. <laughs> we got to do it. We got to do it. I submit myself 
to the Word of God. I'm submitted to God, and so I submit myself to the Word. So that way, when, you're, when your best friend talks about you behind your back, and you hear about it, instead of going to somebody else and talking about it, what do we do? Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. What do we do? We go Matthew 18. I'm going to put that on a bumper sticker. Right in Matthew 18. I hear you got all against me. Let's talk. Let's get it out. Let's get it over with. Right? I don't know what my finances are being. I mean, I just feel like I'm broke. I ain't got nothing. Never. I just never have enough. Never have enough. Are you giving, are you honoring God? Because this ain't about paying a tax. Are you honoring God and giving him the first fruits of your life? Because if you're not doing that, then, you know, well, my God shall supply all my needs, but I ain't seeing them supplied. You got to look. Paul was talking to the Philippian church that gave a gift when they didn't really have it to give, but they gave it anyway. And Paul said, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, not yours. So we submit to his word. Number two, we submit to his spirit. You ready? The degree that you allow the Holy Spirit to influence your life will determine the degree of freedom that you experience in your life. Well, I just don't know about that baptism in the Holy Spirit mess. I don't know. It's a little touchy. All these people praying in that strange language. I don't know about that. The degree that you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to move and to be free in your life will determine the degree of freedom because he said where the Spirit of the Lord is. Mm. I ain't got no freedom in my life. The degree that you allow the Holy Spirit to flow in your life will determine the degree of freedom that you experience daily. you got to obey the Holy Spirit. I like to say this to people. What's the Holy Spirit telling you? And they always, a lot of them always look the same. What do you mean the Holy Spirit telling me? See, I know you know what the Holy Spirit is telling you because the Holy Spirit would, this is what the Holy Spirit would do. He'll put his finger on something and he won't let go. He's not going to force you. He's not going to make you. But he will, every, he'll go like this. He'll go, sweetheart, you got to deal with that. I won't pick on her because she's, she's good. <laughs> son, you got to let that go. I ain't letting it go. Holy Spirit says, son, you need to let that go. Let that go. <laughs> the Holy Spirit would do that. You and I have to be obedient to the Spirit of God. And see, the Spirit of God will never tell you to do something that's contrary to the Word of God. <laughs> I remember this uh, story of, uh, of uh, one of dad, one of dad. I'm using Dad Hagen this morning because I've just been listening to him, and so he's on my heart. But he said, he said he had an old Bronco that he had fixed up, and he drove it around. And one of the students at Ramah liked the Bronco, and so they started claiming his Bronco. He said, well, the Bible said, he said, Matthew eleven twenty three. 23, I can have whatever I say. You can't have another man's property. That's covetousness. But what you can do is say, you know what, Lord, I like that truck. That's a good-looking truck. I'm just going to believe for a truck like that. And if you ask Brother Hagen to believe with you, he'd believe for one better. Because that's the way God is. Newer, better, and faster. You, the Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that's contrary to the Word of God. The Spirit and the Word always agree. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what lasts forever? His Word. Romans 8, 
Verse 12 through 14 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, everybody say by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. You will not get to the place in life that God's called you if you and I don't submit to the Spirit of God. I can't get rid of this addiction. I can't get rid of this habit. I can't get rid of my thought life. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm so glad that you finally recognize that you can't. For if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh. Lord, I can't. I can't in and of myself. I can't resist that. I can't do it. I've tried. I can't do it. But I know that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And by the Spirit of God within me. And then you pray. Then you pray in tongues for 15 minutes. We always want to pray in tongues. We always want to pray in tongues longer when we're trying to get God to do something, but we want to pray shorter when we don't want to resist something that we're not supposed to be doing. Or you're facing a decision that you need to make. That's where the Holy Spirit comes. We submit it to God, right? We submit ourselves to God and we resist the devil. Maybe the reason why your resistance is not working, this is what I hear the Lord saying, the reason why your resistance is not working is because you're resisting in a different tactic and a strategy that I ain't told you to. You're doing it wrong. Because see, there's a number of ways to resist somebody. But if you and I willingly submit to the Spirit of God, all right, Lord, I've been trying to do this for weeks now and it ain't working. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay it down right here. And I'm going to say I'm submitting that to you. And I'm just going to pray about it. I ain't going to touch it. And then every day, for, let's just say for three days. That's what I always try to do, three days. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for that thing. I don't even know how to fix that. I don't know what to do with it. But I know that this is, it's a tactic of the enemy. So I'm, just, I'm not even going to resist it right now. Because what I'm doing is I'm submitting myself to God. See, submission time is never wasted time. You submit yourself to God and you go into your prayer closet and you submit and you pray. That's not wasted time because the enemy can't do nothing. The enemy can't do nothing. He don't have that much power. Um, 1 Peter. Come back. We're going to leave that right there. We're going to leave that there on the floor, okay? We're going to come back to that thing. So we're, sub- right? we're submitting. That's that thing that's bothering you. We're going to leave it right there. 1 Peter chapter 5. You ready? So we're submitted to God. We're praying about it. We're letting the Lord deal with it. We're asking the Lord for wisdom. But we're not resisting yet because we're submitting to God. How are you going to resist something you don't even know what to resist? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just give that to you. We're praying about it. 1 Peter chapter 5. You ready? Verse 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Okay, Lord, I'll say that. A lot of times when you and I are, are going through things in our life, that's a big deal like this, and we can't get victory over it. Nobody ever uses the elders. I, I, it, 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 it blows. No, it don't. I'm not going to say it blows my mind. It astounds me. 
Uh, Jesus said, I marvel at their unbelief. It, I marvel at the fact that people never tap into the power of the elders. It, you got something you've been wrestling with for like, you know, decades? You need to submit that to the elders. That's what we're here for. Submit it. Call me. Call the office. Say, I got something I need to submit to the elders. I've been wrestling with this and I just can't get victory. Guaranteed, you bring, let me bring that into the elder room and let us five men lay hands on it. <laughs> the Bible says in, in, the very same, in the very same book, he said, if any of you is sick among you, let him call for the elders. P.C. Nelson, Dad Nelson said that that literally meant if, you're, if any of you is sick beyond helping yourself, let him call for the elders. You've reached the end of yourself. You don't know what to do. That's a great place to be. Submit it to the elders. That's submitting to God. That's number three. How do we submit to God? You submit to your leadership. So we're submitted to God. We're praying about that thing. Lord, I've been trying for years, weeks, months, whatever it is. What is that thing that keeps popping up in your life? Lord, what is that? How do we deal with that? Because every time you try to resist him, it ain't working. And your heart's right. And you're questioning. So what do you do? You go back into your submission closet. Lord, I'm submitting this thing to you. I don't know what to do. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You ready? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, sinking whom he may devour. Take your pen, take your pencil, highlight it on your phone, whom he may devour. His authority is not guaranteed. That's what the Spirit of the Lord said to me last night. I've never seen it before. Because we've always said that the, the enemy doesn't have any power over us except that which he gives him. And I never could really, you know, how do we say that? Seeking whom he may devour. Now, I don't know about you, but I would think one of the tenets of my faith, one of the things I would want to know pretty quick early on as a new believer would be, how can the enemy devour me? If he's roaming around looking for somebody to devour, I would want to know what that looks like so I can stay away from it so I wouldn't be devoured. Wouldn't you? Come on now. He said be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. God's not your adversary. He's not against us. He's for us. The enemy's a liar. So you're talking about a God did this and God did this and God tried to do this and caused this so he can teach you something. No, the enemy, we have one enemy. I like Casey always says, we have one enemy. One. And he roams around looking whom he may devour. I don't know about you, but I want to know what that looks like. Because if I'm easy prey, you know, like them cartoons where the lion is real hungry and everything he starts looking at looks like a T-bone steak. I don't know about you, but I don't want to look like a T. I don't want to be, I don't want to put myself in a position where I could be devoured. Wouldn't you? Notice what he says here. Submit to yourselves to your elders. Be submissive one to another. Clothe yourself with humility. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care. Then he says what the enemy's doing. 
So here the enemy is looking about whom he may devour. He's walking around and this thing is devouring you and we don't know why. And so we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, what's going on? And we pray and the Lord begins to show us. You've been trying to fight this battle on your own. So you've been rebuking and you've been speaking the word, but it's been the wrong word because it's not the word that's dealing with the situation in your life. Because the problem may not be that situation, the problem may be you. Maybe your humility level is at a two and it needs to be at a ten. What is humility? Seeing yourself as God sees you. You're not Superman. God didn't create us to be single giants in the faith for the kingdom of God. Jesus and God is about team. That's why he created Adam and Eve. That's why he sent them out two by two. That's why Jesus said, it ain't good for you to be by yourself. So when I leave, I'm sending a helper. He's going to send somebody to help you. And that's why he said two-thirds of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. And he talks a lot about submission and authority. We submit ourselves, Lord. We submit ourselves. And then we begin to see what the Lord wants us to do. Then what do we do? Then we begin to attack that thing. Because he's showing us. Because we're submitted, number one, to his word. And we're submitted to his spirit. And now his spirit begins to show us what to do and how to attack that thing. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. I'm going to just stop right there for today. How do we get devoured? Because we're not submitted to God. There are attacks that come to us as a result of the word of God. Jesus himself said before he left this earth, he said, in this life, you will suffer persecution. But fear not, in this world, he said, in this world, in this world, in this world, you will suffer tribulation. But fear not, for I've overcome the world. So when tribulation comes, we look at it and go, he's already overcome you. I mean, in all honesty, when tribulation comes, we should say, glory to God, I must be doing something right. In Matthew, um, in Matthew chapter uh, 13, he said the sower sows the word, and he talked about the four types of ground. One of those grounds is that persecution, tribulation comes for the word's sake. Anytime you and I try to take new ground that the kingdom of darkness has been in, let's say in your life, uh, there's going to be resistance. There is. There's going to be resistance every time. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a battle because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we've overcome that through the blood of Jesus. And so all we do is stand our ground, submit ourselves to God, and keep resisting the enemy, and he'll flee. As in terror, that's what that word means, as in terror, he'll run from us. The devil can't do 
what he wants to do. He just can't do what he wants to do in this earth. He's got to have a doorway. He's got to have a way to get in. And I'm telling you that submission and authority, we don't like that word. We don't like submit. Because it means that I got to die to what I want and I got to submit to what Langston wants to do. I know, guys, I know it's not easy to submit. Because I've had to get on to some guys that are building our house and I've told them that ain't right. You ain't going to do it that way. And boy, they don't like that. And only like you don't even know what you're talking about. No, I may not know necessarily what I'm talking about, but I can look at it and tell you that it ain't right, and that I don't like it. We don't like. Here's a novel idea. Why don't we just do what we're told? <laughs> I'm just going to close with that, Father. No. Why don't we just do what we're told? And we, we, don't like, we don't even like doing what we're told when it's told to us nicely. Please? If you and I will grab a hold, if you'll listen to me, if you'll grab a hold of this and put it in your life, it'll change your life forever. Everybody say, I will submit to God. I will submit to His Word. I will submit to His Spirit. And I will submit to my leaders. Now, I ain't had time to go into the leaders part. Oh, but don't worry. Tune in next time to the same bat channel. Because listen to me, I'm going to give you a little taste test and then we'll dismiss. Um... The degree that you allow your leadership to speak in your life will determine the degree of anointing that you get out from their life. If you don't allow me to speak into your life, then you don't get the anointing that's in my life in your life. If I don't allow men to speak into my life, then therefore I don't receive. If I don't allow, if I had not allowed or don't continue to allow Pastor L.A. Joyner to speak into my life or Brother Hagen to speak into my life or, or Brother Keith Moore or I don't allow some of the other men like Mike Wells that speak into my life or, or these brothers that God has surrounded me, if I don't allow them to speak into my life, then I cut off the anointing in their life because there's an anointing on your life that's not in anybody else's life. And the degree of that anointing that you receive is determined by the degree of submission that you're willing to receive from that anointing. I mean, I've heard Langston prophesy over people and they get mad at him. I've said things to people and they get so mad at me you think they want to take a swing at me. You're not going to receive. Listen, it's the anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. What was it we were talking about yesterday? If I don't allow Casey to speak into my life, the anointing that's in his life, that God has placed in his life, will not remove the burden in my life because I resist it. If he doesn't receive the anointing in my life as a pastor, an apostolic leader, if he doesn't receive that, then the anointing that's there to remove the burden in your life, the very thing that you've been wrestling with and the very thing that you've been struggling with, if you don't allow that to minister to you and you don't receive it because they didn't say it in the nice way, do you see what I'm, where I'm going with this? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes and just say, Lord, I submit myself to you. Your will, your word, and your people. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask uh, <laughs> Chris Fryer, would, would you and your wife come up here? Would you dismiss us in prayer? I know that's weird. I know you guys hadn't come very much, but Chris and I went to Raymond together. And um, it's been years and years since we saw I didn't even recognize him when I saw him a few months ago when they came. And, and so they live in Waycross or Douglas? Douglas. And they've come a couple of times. She just got back. Where was it you went to the mission? Nicaragua. Did you bring us some coffee back or anything? She does have coffee. I was just kidding, but okay. Uh, but anyway, I just, I just felt like you needed to dismiss us. And, and if you got anything you want to say, just launch out there and bless us. Well, it is a, a great privilege to be here. And uh, anytime you get to hear the Word of God, and that's what we've heard today, it's, it's a great privilege. And, and what he said is true. You have to give somebody that God has placed you under, you have to give them a place in your life. Even when it's something you don't necessarily want to hear, if it's God's word, we have to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to that word that's coming through that man of God or woman of God, whoever it is, to receive the blessing God really wants us, wants us to receive. But I want to I pray over us as we, as we go. Father God, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for the leadership here. Lord, I pray that this leadership here, Lord, that they would have the clarity of your vision, the clarity of, of the, the direction that you're giving them, because you've placed this body here for a purpose to fulfill in this city, in this time, in this place. So, Father, I ask you for that vision, because that's where your anointing will be. Father, I ask you for the strategies to reach the people in this area, that they will be clearly given and clearly followed, Father, obediently followed. I ask you to show every person in this congregation what their role is within that vision and how they are to take their part because it is one body that works together as led by the head. Father, I ask you that this week that you be with this people, that you be with all of us, that you help us to take this word and apply it to our lives. Lord, that it not fall on deaf ears, but that we would be good ground, that we wouldn't walk out of this place and forget what we've heard, but we would determine right now to apply it in our lives this week. Father, I ask that in the name of Jesus.